Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570 286 5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their customers exactly the right insurance auto, home, life, business bundles and then they go the extra mile that's what Purdy Insurance always does they'll go the extra mile they'll try and find you the best price when it's all said and done and then they'll update policies for you keep you in the loop on everything and if you ever have a claim they'll go to work as if it happened to them Customer service means everything at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You can go online also to sunburymotors.com. Check out the great line there, Ford. Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and great pre-owned inventory, all at sunburymotors.com. All right, uh, big show coming up for you today, uh, which includes, uh, we'll talk to Mark Wogenrich of Sports Illustrated today. Looking forward to that. Mark had been with the Allentown Morning Call. Circumstances then changed for Mark, unfortunately, but... Guess what? Allentown Morning Call's loss, and it is a loss, is SI's gain, and we're great to have it'll be great to have Mark Wogenrich on the show with us again today. Looking forward to that very much to have him on. And then we're going to do there was a return of IndyCar over the weekend with the uh, Texas 300 off. Uh, in our 3.30 half hour, we're going to dedicate all of it to IndyCar. <laughs> or are we? Well, we're going to dedicate the entire... My plan is to dedicate the entire half hour to IndyCar. Now, if something else comes up between now and then, then, uh, okay, well, then we'll have to make a change. <laughs> Rumor has it there's a pretty good chance that's going to happen. But don't they know we're talking about IndyCar? I'm sure they do. I mean, I've been planning this all weekend. I even watched most of the race. 
I watched a, I watched a good chunk of it. Yeah, well, I mean they they I'll get this about IndyCar. Now they're not only fast and they are fast. Okay. They are fast. And not only that, but they started zero and they ended three hundred. Or they'll start at zero and they'll end at five hundred. None of this mumbo jumbo. <laughs> There's your winner of stage one. What does that mean? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean anything. I mean, when they sit there on Sports Center, they say, well, check out this. This is great. Jimmy Johnson won stage one. They tell you who won. They got the checker flag and won. <laughs> That's how racing is. IndyCar at least does that part right, but the entire 3.30 half hour, I will be sitting here talking IndyCar. It's a great plan, don't you think? Seems to be, unless anything else intervenes from Harrisburg. Well, what could that possibly be? All right, so... <laughs> really looking forward to it. Should be great. I have a lot of insights. <laughs> I have a lot of insights. I'm sure you're anxious to hear them all. Now, at 4.05, we're going to have to go in a different direction, so it's all going to have to be in the 3.30 half hour. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I don't understand why, why you're laughing. I, I, try to, I try to reach out to middle management and do a segment he's aching to have on, and you just kind of eh, laugh it off. I don't get what you think so funny. Because I know your sentiments of NASC- of uh, racing in general, auto racing in general. I like auto racing. See, I like auto racing a lot. I like, you know, I'll watch the big races, the whole thing. Now, is there more like leave the room, come back, and then check out 10 laps worth, and then go back out and do something, and then check out 10 laps worth? Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm not interested. I know Scott Dixon won the other night. Dixon's been one of the best drivers on that circuit for more than 15 years. Uh, fabulous. So I so I know who won. I watched some of it. So I wanted to dedicate an entire half hour to it. And all you've done is laugh about it. I don't understand what's so funny. No? You act like there's going to be something else we have to do. That's because there kind of is. But maybe we can squeeze it in afterwards. No offense. Once the time's up, time's up. (laughs) (laughs) I got to move on to other stuff. (laughs) No offense. I I have to. I have no... I have no choice. <laughs> no, I have some great stuff here, too. Great stuff. No? I mean, Dixon dominated. There's one thing, and you had the crash 
four laps in. Other than that, that was about it. <laughs> They're fast. Oh, they were yeah. moving. No, no, they they were moving. Now, when's their next race? Do we know? Um, at the Brickyard, July fourth. No, unless it's the Formula One type race. Is that it? I thought that's what they had said on the broadcast. I could be wrong. Well, no, no, they they, they do do a a Formula One type of race, a road race, at Indy. They do do that. Hmm. Maybe that's what I'm thinking um, of. So that maybe that's it because the Indianapolis 500 is uh, August 23rd, and we have golf actually starting up this week on the 11th on Thursday. Golf starts this week uh, back at Colonial, so they make the next step, and then there is baseball. Okay, so the baseball, the owners put out a new proposal today. And I've already told you what I think they should do. Look, go with 82 games. So I'll make it simple. I said, you know, make it fully prorated, knock off 15% because of, you know, they get 30% of their revenue. Now they're claiming they get 40% from the dead please. Okay, everybody knows it's 30. In that... uh Made thirty uh, percent. Uh, Everybody knows that. So that's not a. So no, we just look at the players and say, here, here's how we're going to do it. Okay, let's just do it in your terms. It's going to be eighty-five percent, right? But here's the reason it's eighty-five. You're going to get your full prorated salary of eighty-two games. And I guess they said it's seventy-six now, so seventy-six games. But we're going to knock out 15% because we're going to be playing in empty ballparks. And since we get 30% of our revenue from what happens in the ballpark and other sources, and it's half a season, we'll take half out, and that's 15%. That's how we'll arrive there. Now, if people, if states start allowing us to have people in ballparks, and Texas and Houston may, may be in that category, then we're going to give you your full prorated salary. Now, at that point, doesn't that make sense, Matt? Isn't that a logical way to go about it? Absolutely, but once again, this is baseball we're talking about, where logic doesn't seem to be in their vocabulary. I mean, if you're going to play that many games for salaries that are already negotiated, then people should get what they should make. And the exception in the circumstance is the no fans in the ballpark. Because there are no fans in the ballpark, we need some help here. All right? Can you help us? And that that's how I look at what they should do. And by the way, if they start allowing us to have fans back in the ballpark, then we're going to shift our money and it's going to go in your direction. You're trying to say you're trying to save your sport at this point. You've made every single You've made every single wrong move to this point. You were expected to be the beacon of light when it comes to the pandemic. You were expected to be the beacon of light to get the country back on a sense to normalcy, right? That's what people are saying. 
That's what baseball was going to be, getting back to sports, and baseball's going to lead the way. All right, so now we're sitting here on June the 8th, and MLS has a contract ready to play. Golf is starting up. IndyCar has started up. NASCAR has started up. The NBA has a plan in place, and the NHL has a plan in place. Who doesn't? Major League Baseball. Not only that, but when you on Thursday there'll be the draft, and here comes the next major mistake. It's only going to be five rounds. It's only going to be five rounds. It's been forty. So now you're going to knock it off by eighty-seven and a half percent because you're trying to keep your bonus money down. But don't worry, teams won't won't get penalized at draft pick. <laughs> It's, it is stunning. I, I, I personally feel, um, from everything I've read, so this is only from what I've read or when I've listened to him, I think Rob Manfred is a very intelligent guy. So, I mean, I mean that's the impression I've been given, that he's a smart guy. I know he's a lawyer. I know he's a Harvard guy. The whole deal. I got it. But there's something missing here in the level of common sense that is stunning. It's easy to blame the players. But to be honest with you, normally I've been somebody that's like, hey, I understand where the owners are coming from and so forth. Not on this. You're trying to save your sport you're not trying to just play the 2020 season. That's okay. That you're not just trying to play the 2020 season. You're trying to position your sport where now you have an opportunity to thrive. Maybe not in 21, but really thrive in 22, 23, 24, 25. Like get back to the balance in 21, and then really kick it into gear in 22, 3, 4, and 5. If you keep messing around like this, you're gonna kill you're gonna kill the the golden goose. Last year they had the highest revenue ever, ten point seven billion. Amazing. That's amazing. It says a lot. But here is what they have done with it since. They started with the minor league proposal. Do you realize in the last 15 years, minor league baseball has had attendance of 40 million or better in each of those 15 years? Minor league baseball has had attendance of 40 million or better in each of the last 15 years. And what Major League Baseball is saying is they're looking at since it's a one-quarter cut. They're looking at 10 million of you, and they say, we really don't care what you like. That's good customer service? That's good forward-thinking marketing? Really? Really? You'll do what we say. We're Major League Baseball. So you're going to look at 10 million fans, and you're going to tell them, we don't really care what you think. This is best for us. There's a good chance those 10 million are not going to come back. 
They're not going to go to your Braves games. They're not going to go to your Cardinals games. They're going to sit there and go, what kind of deal is this? That's bad marketing. That's bad customer relations. Now you got how they're negotiating. Bad marketing. Bad customer relations. Bad imaging. Now you got this five-round draft instead of 40. Again, who looks bad? Major League Baseball. They've made, to their credit, in a span of eight months, they've made every conceivable wrong move. I haven't even mentioned the Astros yet. They play games all the time with service time. Do you realize that George Springer, George Springer is a good player, really good player. Because of how they've messed around with all the service time, is still sitting today one day shy of what he needs to be a free agent because of when they brought him up. He's still one day short. They've done that with a lot of players. Chris Bryant, most notably. Now, it's negotiated. It's in the contract. But it's just... It's that kind of dirty pool. Yeah. Well, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street, and Sunbury. Our full indie car discussion coming up, unless events warrant something else. In 30 seconds. And that's what I think about. Everything that happened Saturday night in Texas with IndyCar going through every driver as I did. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed my take on that. And uh, today's show is brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. I, I didn't think my comments were funny, man. I, I tried to be as extensive and go through every driver. I mean, I probably spent a little too much time on Marco Andretti, but... <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he he didn't have a very good, good uh, season debut. Yeah. No, a, but I, I mean, anybody listening to the podcast will hear how thorough I was. One football note for you, a non-Penn State note, but it's related because Penn State does play Nebraska this year. J.D. Spielman is one of the top playmakers in the Big Ten. He put his name into the transfer portal today. It's not surprising because he had asked for a leave of absence um, and back on March 2nd and you know and they, they announced their support for him and so forth and by the way Rick Spielman the general manager of the Vikings this is his son so He announced today he's putting his name into the transfer portal. And we'll see. The At Iowa, have you read this story, Matt? At Iowa, started by James Daniels, who was a second-round pick of the Chicago Bears in 2018. It started a chain reaction on Twitter from other former 
Iowa players against strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle to the point where Doyle has been placed on administrative leave. What's interesting is that while the players are upset at Doyle, and these are mostly African-American players, upset at Doyle, and some, including some parents at Brian Ferentz, none of them are upset with Kirk Ferentz. Um, the allegations against Doyle is how, they, how he treats them in the strength and conditioning program. And I don't mean physically, it's what he says. Um, and they brought out all sorts of comments that they feel he made over the years that have been locked up this entire time and they basically say that I mean everything from how you wear your hair, cornrows to tattoos Um, and Daniels wrote there have been too many racial disparities in the Iowa football program black players have been treated unfairly far too long This player wrote, I remember when I used to wear tank tops in the facility, I used to get called into the coach's office because I had too many, put too much, but too many tattoos, and it wasn't part of the Iowa culture or the Iowa way. He said, and starting with Coach Doyle. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. 
Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their customers, their clients, the best insurance at the right price. Whether it's auto, home, life, business, maybe a bundle, they'll figure out the best way to save you money while making sure you're always covered. That is at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And you can go to sunburymotors.com. Check out the great line of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, pre-owned inventory. All at sunburymotors.com. Mark Wogenrich, Sporting News, excuse me, Sports Illustrated in a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day, the Phillies in the playoffs. That is in the 2009 National League Championship Series. Eventually, they got to the World Series where they lost to the Yankees that year. I brought that up because it makes Matt bitter. No, that makes me happy. That's right, because the Yankees won. That's right. Their only championship of the 21st century. Still got 26 total, so it's all good. At least we got one. <laughs> My brother's a big Yankees fan. Oh, I know. And um, when the Red Sox finally won in 2004, he called me. And he says, you know, they say the 27th one is the hardest one to win. <laughs> And I said to him, I can assure you in no uncertain terms, the sixth one's the hardest one to win. <laughs> it took 86 years to get there. All right, let's bring in Mark Wogenrich, Sports Illustrated. Mark, hope you and yours are safe, you and Beth and the kids and everybody, and congratulations, and I'm thrilled for Sports Illustrated. They have somebody of your quality. I appreciate it so much. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be back um, with football. Yeah, and with Penn State football. Yeah, and with Penn State football, no less. Mm-hmm. Which I want to get to the uh, article you wrote about James Franklin and life, life in quarantine, mm-hmm. which I thought was was fascinating and well put together. What Thanks. What did the uh, what look? He's always been a great family man, anyway. But you and mm-hmm. I have both heard him say, whether it's on a show with me or you know talking to you about coach guilt. Well, he has spent, yeah. he spent a lot of time around his family. What has he learned about how to operate in this uh, atmosphere? Well, I, I don't think I don't think he wants to continue it. Say that he wants to extract maybe some of the things that he learned, especially with regard to how to use you know video technology, which right. we've all really kind of come to grow with. Um, that's one thing I think is made. Uh, that is one thing that he's going to obviously continue that he can be able to do 
Skype calls or you know video chats with people when he's out on the road recruiting or when he's on vacation or, or wherever that sort of thing. I think time management probably is another thing in that. I mean, he's already been a, you know, an incredibly organized person and, and a scheduled person, but this has probably kept him even more um, in, in focused in that direction, in that, okay, I need to do four recruiting calls tonight at 6.37, 7.30, and 8 o'clock. And so keeping each one of those going on schedule, whereas um, – I think before, you know, one of the things he talked about was when you're on campus and you bring guys in, you bring their families in, you're walking them around. And, it, you know, that's kind of a you're, – you're doing a show-off in a way. You're saying, look at this, and look at this, and look at this. And it's, it's, it's more casual. It's probably a little more conversational. It's walking and talking. You know, mm-hmm. like when we, right. we walk and talk different than we talk, you know, as we're doing this now, or we're doing it on a Zoom call or whatever it is. So I think he's gotten – he's probably been – He's had to, you know, um, be more concentrated in pitches with recruits and be more time efficient in in getting these calls in and out. And the other thing that you know, you mentioned the coach Gill thing, he mentioned that a couple of years ago he was in, uh, uh, you know, he spoke to a bunch of realtors actually um, here in Bethlehem, and. Uh, it came up, and I think that element was more fascinating to me is that he really going to open up about it then. I have Coach Gill. He's, you know, he stated it out plainly about spending the time, you know, with his family, and so they compensate. You know, um, the family, his family comes to the, the offices for lunch, and they, they hang around the players, and his daughters are in the treatment room, stuff like that. And I'm just curious, is, is, is you know, how is that going to be able to continue at least in the short term? You know, that kind of stuff probably isn't going to you know, be able to happen. And then will he also be able to have the interactions um, with his you know, players and staff and people right. on campus knowing he has to go home you know, to his family again? So that, that's all the kind of stuff I think that he's going to be, you know, uh, he's got to figure out in the next you know, couple of weeks. Right. And, uh, and obviously he is in an interesting spot that I think a lot of people have to put their, themselves into his shoes when they think yeah. about how we're coming back from all this. He is a father who has a daughter with sickle cell and because of that that means immune compromised yeah so i mean he he has a different perspective that's a perspective you have to listen to and not be cavalier about hey let's just you know because i mean he is he's a father with somebody has to take extra precautions yeah and one of the questions and this is the things that he's going to have to be and and that they have to be addressed in any way that there are staff meetings going on. So he's in his office and, you know, sure. offensive staff is meeting. And then maybe there's position group guides. I'm talking about, like, in-season, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the receivers are meeting down the hall and that sort of thing. Or, the you know, the recruiting. There's the recruiting staff is meeting, communication staff, whatever. And he's, you know, he may pop into those offices, you know, right. peek at, hey, what are you guys talking about? Give his input, that sort of thing. Can he do stuff like Is he going to have to think about, can I do things like that? Um I, and that will grow. I think yeah. that will continue, yep. you know, as as we learn more and as you know, they're testing and they know they're um, they know what they're dealing with and who may have tested positive or or that sort of thing. But that's going to have to, you know, they're going to have to feel their way around, and that's something I think, and I, you know, I know James is going to have to feel his way around specifically. Right. And you know, and believe me, having his daughters around, great. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I see them a lot. Yeah. To be honest with you, Mark, I mean, I don't like him. I love him. His his two daughters are they're just tremendous. 
so you know. I remember seeing him the first time, like in fourteen, and they were so small. And I just mm-hmm. recently saw photos of him. I said, "How did that? When did that happen?" I know. <laughs> so, but they're—I mean, he and I'll tell you, he and Fumi have raised two tremendous mm-hmm. daughters. They really have. Uh, all right, so the team is allowed to now. They're going to go through the quarantine portion of this, um, and of course, the testing that goes with it. When it's all said and done, what kind of foundation, in your opinion, Mark, does Penn State football have for twenty twenty? I get a sense that coaches who have like instructed a team that can work independently are going to be better off. And one and no doubt. And I say that that because this you know football is so structured and now they've had 3 months of of completely unstructured unsupervised performance. So as much structure as you can build into your program during the season and that's every program from like the moment they get them their days are packed. Well, how have you then as a coach also given your players freedom to 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 like work out independently and to train independently? And, you know, even just think independently, that sort of thing. And we've gotten some of the players on call, uh, you know, over the, over the past few weeks. And I talked to a couple as well. I talked to Journey Brown, who was really interesting about that, too, was that they all seem to be, you know, at least from the way they're talking about it, they all seem to, to be um, really into the, you know, really pushing themselves into the concept of independent improvement. Like Journey Brown talked about how last summer he wasn't with the team when he was suspended for the summer so quarantine really didn't feel any different to him he worked his way through that last summer and he got better during that and we saw the results through the season so this quarantine he was you know he said basically hey this is you know second time i'm doing this so i know exactly what i'm doing i heard Jahan dodson just saying little things like he you know if he's you know done you know when he was finished with school or done training for the day, he's, you know, laying on the couch and watching TV or whatever. He's throwing a tennis ball in the air, like a hundred times, just, you know, catching things like that, where they're, they're still, um, every moment, Pat Farmer, you know, said the same thing. So I think that, you know, that foundation, at least anecdotally from what these guys were saying, that how they approached their time alone will inform really how, what kind of base, like you said, the kind of base they'll have. And I, so far, I think it sounds positive. Once they get back together, the players, of course, have to go through their their own practices, which is typical this time of the year. This is not a difficult, you know, in other words, you get back and you're actually doing something that you always do. You talk about Journey Brown. He'll get back now to doing yeah. something he always does. Yeah. All right. That These off-season things that the players do, Mark, it's it's all leadership because you have to be able to tell everybody, hey, we're doing seven-on-seven seven today. Let's get out here. Uh, do you sense Penn State has the kind of leadership that is strong enough during an independent time like this in the next few weeks that actually can make a difference? Yeah, I, I, this team really does sound like it has that from – Agreed. You know, Clifford and, and Farmouth offensively. And I think even, you know, a guy like Jahan Dotson who <laughs> – you know, kind of caught him since high school. Is very quiet, but has a really, I, I think, a personality that drives people yep. to follow him. I mean, PJ Mustafer. I mean, there's no doubt that you know that he that you know he is a, uh, you know, that he is not uh, a follower uh, in any no. sense of the Sh- word. He is a Shelton, leader. So Antonio Shelton, Shelton you know, defense, Shaka, Shaka, Shaka Tony, absolutely. The defensive line will drag those guys into. Somebody told a great story. Um, about Shaka Tony. I think it was PJ Mustafer told a great story about Shaka Tony when they were going through 
some workouts and PJ, you know, they were doing pull-ups and PJ said um, he needed ropes because I'm a big guy. I need the rope to do it. And then Shaka told him, no, no, you're not putting a rope up. You're not putting like hand, like hand ropes because they're using the bar. And PJ said, I've never done a pull-up. And Shaka said, yeah, you, you know, you're going to do one now. And I mean, PJ said, I mean, you know, he did seven. So I, you know, those little moments, I think that kind of thing, you know, I, this team with how many guys who played last year and how many, Guys are on their um, yep. the leadership council, and how many guys that they have as captains yep. and captains who are returning too? I mean, forget about Michael Mennett. Um, yep, big time. Leader. Well, probably see. I think CJ Thorpe. Those guys, you know, the both those lines. I think have a lot of leadership personality types. So I think they'll be. I mean, they're they're well positioned there. Yeah. For guys to say, let's go, you know, we're going tonight to work out. Castro Fields, Wade's become yeah. a leader. Mm-hmm. Castro, Wade is, yeah, absolutely. Wade, Wade's a leader. Castro Fields has become a leader. I'll tell you, Mike has become a leader. Parsons. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's something I think people need to explore a little bit more. That Mike is more of a leader than people realize. Uh, so that's something something to look at. When you look mm-hmm. at, obviously, Will Levis is going to push Sean Clifford for all he's worth here because you expect any athlete to push somebody else for all they're worth. In the end, though, uh, if healthy, because health played a role in how Sean finished last year, I thought he gutted it out, and that that impresses me. But when healthy, where can he make this team better where suddenly they find that player, too, that puts them over the top in a couple of games? Yeah, I think it's him and the combination of Kirk Shiraka's offense that we just haven't seen yes. yet. And from the way Kirk, <laughs> yeah. from the way Sean describes it, he is I mean, he's all in on this offense and how maybe and how he can perform in it, how he wants to throw within this offense. I think you saw him a little I don't know about reluctant, but he chose early and he was young, he's first year starting quarterback, but he seemed to cho- seemed to choose running in a lot of situations last year over maybe some options that he had to throw. Um, I don't know that he's going to take those same options this year. He's got a better sense of uh, of himself as the passing quarterback, and I think that that's going to be the overwhelming element. Uh, I think it's going to be the driving element of Kirk Soraka's offense. I'm curious to see at how long it takes them to get rolling in that. I think it's going to take some time. We have no idea how they're going to look that first month. It took some time in 2016 with Joe Moore. This is, mm-hmm. I don't think this is, a, this is not as big a transition, obviously, but it's still, it's a huge transition when you don't have, you know, three weeks or six, you know, four weeks in spring to kind of get into the role feel of it. So, but, it, but if Sean, yeah, if Sean has that, um, he's got the footwork down with 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 the playbook. I think he could really explode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which then brings me to this. Now, this hasn't been. I don't even know if this has even been discussed by anybody. But how helpful would it be for the NCAA to put out? Hey, look, we'll allow each football program mm-hmm. to have a minimum one weekend. Me, idealistically, I say two: a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, five hours mm-hmm. total, like an OTA. Type type of deal where no. the coaches can get out there on the field with the players for four to five hours total in the three day period in July. I'm talking about in July. I don't yeah, in now. July. Yeah, in that July. would be that would be super helpful, especially again, especially for a team like Penn State that didn't happen. Uh, nothing like that at all. I, I don't know. Would every team? I, I would assume every coach would say, "Yeah, um, of course, absolutely." We would want that, you know. And some might say because I, you know, some coaches are also saying, you know, we did, you know, we're behind because other teams started spring drills. 
even teams in the Big Ten had started bring spring drills. Other teams were you know, farther along yeah. and actually had some right. practice. Ohio State, so that, Ohio mean, State had yeah. started. Ohio State yeah. had started. So. so even if they can't coach, I mean, maybe you could just wheel it back and say, like, okay, you can't instruct anything, but you can be present or, uh, you know, to watch, at least to give, you know, to have, like, um, visibility on that thing. So at least they get a sense of that they're not, you know, they're not going to be in cold right. in July when they when they restart. I think that's probably a pretty good idea. I hadn't thought of it, but I kind of like it. I mean, again, basketball. My my idea comes from the basketball part of it, Mark. Yeah. Because in the month of July, I think you get four hours a week mm-hmm. where you can get out there and they, you know, if they want to scrimmage or whatever we want to do, and they're part of what's going on. And you know, they get yeah, and you they, get summer tours, things like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do yeah. summer tours once every four years, but. Yeah. Football coaches, I know they get spring practice, but the amount of contact they're allowed once spring practice ends, so they start preseason, they get mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah, I'd rather see I'd rather see players get more contact with coaches and not less. But that's me, so because I think yeah. it's helpful. Especially since yeah, what their only contact starting next week, I guess, is going to be with the strength staff. As yes, it usually is yeah. in the summer. So, and that will probably help with injury prevention too. Right. I and mean, I'm, if you're going to have guys, right. yeah, guys the, have running around in July, right. that at least there's, you know, in, in a limited... Um, no like, pads. Uh, this would be no pads. Yeah, right, right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no no pads. Uh, you know, which you don't want to get into that situation. It's July, so right. no pads. But to get some hands-on, okay, this is what we want to do, what we want to do. And then when we get to camp, everybody's on the same page, and then you go from there. But as a one-time exemption, considering the circumstance, it probably would help help a lot. Yeah, Mark, it's always a pleasure. Completely thrilled for you, but I'm also thrilled. Thank for, you. For, I'm thrilled for SI that they have somebody of your quality. Thank you so much. I hope to see you. <laughs> yes, in the fall, and then that we're not um, quarantined away from each other again. But. Yes, I, yes, <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. <laughs> Thanks so much, my friend. Yeah, hope to talk to you soon again, Steve. Thanks yeah. so much. That is Mark Wogenrich, now with Sports Illustrated. Back with more in a moment, brought to you by Purdy Insurance on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Leon, next half hour. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Marcus Reed and Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. I received a lot of great comments and appreciate it very much for uh, our IndyCar segment. I'm glad everybody appreciated it. No? I'm glad to hear that, too. I just felt it was a segment that needed to be done. You know, and not just for appeasement. So I went back to the podcast to listen to it because, I mean, I thought it was so good. And it must have been a mistake. There was somebody on there talking about nursing homes. <laughs> I... By the way, it's the GMR Grand Prix at Indy on July 4th. Okay. 
Yeah, so it's a Grand Prix style race, yeah. That's where they actually have to make right turns. It's very tricky. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades. Finding their customers the right insurance. You get insurance because you want to be completely covered. And not only that, you want to get it at the best price. Whether it's auto, home, life, business, maybe it's a bundle. But guess what? Uh, They'll do everything they can to get you the right insurance, the right price, and they'll take care of that policy for you as time goes. Ever a claim? Boy, they jump in as if it happened to them. Customer service means everything to the great people at Purdy Insurance. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And time now to go to Philadelphia. My good friend, Matt Leon. Matt, hope you and yours are safe, sound, and well. Great to have you with us. Uh, We do, and good to be with you, sir. Uh, Appreciate that very much. Uh, So, Matt, um, let's start with, uh, obviously, Philadelphia has been a a hot spot in two areas. We know about COVID-19, but it's also been a hot spot for uh, protest and much of it is you know there was some obviously that that didn't go well and there was some protest that was peaceful and powerful uh, down there. How have the athletes down there uh, reacted to this and how much have they involved themselves in it? Um, I think uh, you've seen some eagles take part in it. Uh, they, I'm not sure exactly which day. It might have been Saturday. Uh, you saw some of the Eagles. Some, uh, a lot of players have been very active on social media, but specifically with the protest, uh, I know Rodney McLeod was out there. Uh, I believe Malcolm Jenkins was. I mean, I know he's with the Saints now, but and he actually also was the uh, keynote speaker, or is going to be a keynote speaker at the virtual graduation for the Philadelphia School District. I don't know if that's yeah. today or it, it's coming up. Um, so there, there are some that have been very, very active uh, in person and on social media. And honestly, after the first night or two where there were some situations where the protests kind of went sideways and got violent and stuff, the last several days have just been incredible turnouts and very peaceful. Yep. So it's uh, it's sending a very powerful message, I don't think just in Philadelphia, but across the country. Right, and that's why I, I preface it by saying, look, it's been almost all peaceful, except for obviously a couple of nights where, as you said, it went sideways. Uh, and the sideways was a small percentage of people that went sideways, by the way. Uh, okay, so now let's get to the respective plans. Let's start with the um, the NBA plan. 22 teams, the Sixers will be involved in it, uh, all on the campus of 
uh, Disney properties down in Orlando, which, by the way, people don't realize about the size of Manhattan. Right. Uh, literally, people don't realize that. What did you think of the NBA return plan, which is not until uh, tours of playing, not till July 31st? Yeah, I think this is probably the most likely way to get anything done, for at least for the summer months. I think if you could have these kind of self-contained situations where you can kind of, to a large degree get your arms around how many people you're dealing with and, and be able to monitor in them and stuff like that. I think the, the tough part isn't going to be like the athletes and the staffs themselves. You know, you're going to need people to work in the hotels. You're going to need people to work serving food. Like, and then all of a sudden you kind of get ripple effects of that's a lot more people, a lot more people. Is everybody going to continue to get tested? But I think the plan itself is interesting. Um, but also, I you know, July 31st is a long way away. Yeah. And I think right now uh, it, it makes sense. You just hope I don't, you know, it'll be interesting, I guess my point is, what is the tolerance level for setbacks? If You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like right. If, well, exactly. Because I think it, people have wondered about, for example, the KBO in South Korea and the Taiwan baseball. So far, they have not suffered setbacks. So we haven't had to see anybody react to setbacks yet. Right. And, you know, is it one player and it shuts down? Or do you feel confident that, okay, as soon as this person is, is quarantined, we can keep going, you know? And what happens if one team gets decimated? Not, I don't want decimated, but like four or five, six people get infected on a team. Right. And does that team say you're three games into this schedule does that team forfeit the rest because you can't wait 14 days to are they allowed to sign i just think there's a lot of contingencies for stuff that we've never considered before that you're almost it's impossible to extrapolate every possibility because like there's no playbook for this um so that's the the thing i mean if you're just going to play and you decide you know what we're going to do this and we'll figure it out as we go along. Um, and you don't really have a, a tolerance level. Like, you're just doing it. And we're going to make it work. And if it means we have to keep signing guys every week, whatever. You know, but if there's going to be a certain point where you're like, all right, we got to pull the plug, you know, you wonder what that is. And it'll kind of be interesting to see. Uh, if... This will be somewhat speculative, but right now I believe the most they're going to allow in under the current plan, once they make a transition at some point, is 1,600, I think, was the number I saw. And that includes everybody, players. Uh, What if the NFL, and we'll use them and not college football as an example, what if the NFL says, yeah, we can can let people in at X amount capacity, you know, third, half, whatever it may be. Do you see the NBA then changing up too? Oh, I think everybody's watching everybody else. Yeah. I think the, the one thing that the NBA and NHL, I think we're going to see there's a difference between an open-air venue and an That's true. inside That's a good, venue. That's a good point. And that, you know, the, the one, another one of the problems is, like, we're just, we don't know much about, you know, like, I think we're going to learn a lot in real time with all the protests. Mm-hmm. If we see huge spikes, right. then right. a lot of the hopes of people that thought, well, in the summer and outdoors and wearing masks, well, then we're not really dealing with that. But if 
you know, if we pretty much stay where we are, then I think he can start to feel confident that, you know what, outside, you know, maybe if we do the best we can social distance, that, you know, we can have a little close to normal than we thought. But I think, to your original point, I can't imagine all these leagues aren't looking at everybody and seeing what works, where they go, because it's a lot easier to be the second guy, the second league, to do something no, than the first. Four. Absolutely, no, that's that's absolutely right. And I, and I think we'll find out probably a week from today, maybe mm-hmm. a week from tomorrow, whether there's a spike in these cities across the country. If there isn't, then I think you have people not relaxed, Matt, but feeling that they've got a better shot. How about that? Oh, absolutely, and I think. You, you start to see scenarios where you can thread the needle. And, you know, I, I, I think that's going to be – I think the next couple of weeks are going to yeah. to really kind of tell us a lot and, and go from there. But, you know, like I said, July 31st, I think right now what the NBA is putting out there makes a lot of sense and can work. But, you know, between now and July 31st, if we go backwards – you know, it's the same amount of time from now till what the middle of April, and it's a completely we're dealing with a completely different set of circumstances now than we were then. So, yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, yeah, it's that's the tough thing. And I said, I don't know if I said this to you, but I've said I'm really glad I'm in a job where I don't have to plan something out, where I have to, where other people are depending on me to make decisions because it's just got to be incredibly difficult to try to put anything together with any kind of uh, confidence just because you've got constantly shifting variables and it's just got to be tough and I think that's one of the big the big challenges the colleges are going to face in the fall is I think it's great now to say yes we're going to be open in the fall but what if your state has a spike in mid-August? Then what do you do? Well, I mean, you know? yeah. and I don't know those answers. Yeah, nobody knows that answer. And part of it, too, is what makes a college campus different than the pro settings that we're talking about here is you have people coming from all over the place to then come into one area together. Yeah. That's the complication. My friend, I know you have to get back to work. We appreciate you very much. And uh, we will talk uh, hopefully soon, maybe even next week. Sounds good, my friend. Matt Leon in Philadelphia. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. They're the best in the business. Great people who are great professionals. Thank my word. You turn to Purdy Insurance, you'll be glad that you took our advice on that. They're just really good. Same thing with Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And don't forget, you can go to sunburymotors.com. You can get the process going from the comfort of your own living room. All right. Um, Our thanks, by the way, to Mark Wogenrich for being on the show today uh, his new job at sports illustrated he's covering penn state football for si and also to matt leon in philadelphia appreciate that very much we've talked about the iowa situation penn state began its process today of getting the players back for their workouts 
And the process includes, obviously, testing. Uh, you know, and this is what everybody else has done, too. Uh, Alabama had five players test positive. Auburn had three, and Oklahoma State had three. Okay. Now, there are two different ways of looking at the numbers. You can sit back and you can say, well, five Alabama players test positive. Look at that. That's, you know, you put it all, yeah, it's 11. I understand that. But with testing, you're going to get, in all likelihood, some positives. But look at it a different way. I don't know how many players Alabama was allowed to bring back. I mean, it may be the usual 220. All on scholarship, I might add. Just kidding. But let's just say, let's, I don't know what the numbers are, but let's just say it's the 75 like Penn State's doing. Well, that would mean 70 out of the 75 tested negative. At Oklahoma State, that would mean 72 out of the 75 tested negative. At Auburn, that means 72 of the 75 would have tested negative. So, you know, there's different ways of looking at it where the ultra-high percentage is on the negative side. So that's the process they're going through, and should everything go well a week from today, they should be back out in the weight room and on the field. Uh, they can only, I think, have as, only as many as 20 work in Haluba Hall. But they have the three outdoor practice fields, too. And this will be an important time for them just to get back out to work. And let's face it, I mean, they got to be thrilled just to go back to doing what they love to do, just to get back out there. And let's let's be honest about it. Um, there are a lot of people excited about what this team could possibly accomplish this year. And I know that uh, there's a lot of issues that are so worthy of our attention, so worthy of our focus. But at some point, it's okay at some point to talk about people being excited for a football season. This is where I mentioned before, baseball is really, really missing the boat. They really are. And this is where they're missing the boat. Remember, in terms of getting people to feel like there is a sense of normalcy, and I said that, in fact, we had Sandy Barber on the show on Friday, March I think it was Friday, March 13th. I think that was the date. It was 14th, maybe it was the 14th. And I made the statement to her, I'm sure you feel the same as I do, that sports will help bring the country back. I didn't say it was going to be the sole reason. I said it will help bring the country back. And she absolutely agreed, as have others, than when I made that statement to them. Well, during all of this, when we've gone through this pathway, and let's talk about the month of May, the feeling was the one sport that would start things going would be baseball. That they'd be the ones that'd be out there first. At one point, they were talking about a mid-June return, then they started talking about a 4th of July return. 
But they were going to be the first ones out of the gate. So here we are sitting now on June the 8th. And on June the 8th, the NBA has a plan. Now, they don't get going with games until July 31st, but the NBA has a plan, and it's been approved. The NHL has a plan. Doesn't start until July as well, but it's been approved. MLS has a plan. Major League Soccer. They avoided a lockout. I believe, do they start next weekend, Matt? June 17th? Yes. That is correct. I believe, yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. And they've got a plan, and they're going to start playing in June. Colonial will host a pro golf tour event this weekend. They have a plan. They're moving forward. NASCAR, Kevin Harvick won uh, yesterday his 51st career victory. And guess what? They're marching forward. They have a plan. IndyCar, back with a high-speed race in Texas, getting up to about 215 to 220 miles per hour. Scott Dixon won it. They have a plan. They're back racing. Next up for them, 4th of July, they're going to be at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but it's going to be the road race, the road course. They have a plan. The NFL has not had to release any plan. It it looks like they're going to be going to camp on time in late July. Penn State has a plan. They're working to get back. Ohio State's same thing. Alabama, Auburn, everybody. Who's the only one that doesn't have a plan? The one we all thought was going to be the first one out of the gate and lead the way. How embarrassing is that? Wow. It's almost stunning to a point. They've been able to avoid labor problems for 24 and a half years now, almost 25 years. But right when you really feel that they could step up and do something, and this isn't just the players, by the way, please don't just think I'm okay. Because look, you look at the proposal that the owners put out, the 76 games. Have you looked at that, man? I have. And all I keep saying to myself is what I've said throughout this whole process is the owners had their chance to get what they wanted when they first offered 114 games. But they just got greedy. Well, and but look at stuck. the numbers. But look at the numbers. The 82-game schedule. In the end, remember, it was, it was all this, this mumbo-jumbo about, you know, Trout will make less, but the, but the rookie infielder will will make less, but nowhere near the percentage less the Trout would make. Okay? It equals the players getting about 33% of their money. Okay. Then the owners proposed the 50-game deal, or 48, whatever it may be, at prorated numbers. 
Simple as that. So what does that mean? The players would end up getting 33% of their money. Now they're offering a 76-game plan at 75% of your prorated money. And you know what that means, Matt? The players would get 33% of their money. It's just different packages with the same results. I mean, I mean, here's the problem. The problem is when you present proposals, they get out there, and you have people with the ability to read, add, and subtract. That's not good. Those aren't the people you want to talk to. You don't want to talk to the people who can read, add, and subtract. And now they have to sign a waiver form. It's just sit there and be honest, open, and direct and say, look, we're, we get 30% of our money from the gate. There is no gate. Okay, so let's go at full prorated, knock off 15%, and then when we get people in the park, we'll get you back to the 100. 